Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Yo, good evening and welcome to another episode of the same old Arsenal Team Talk. Good evening to everyone in the chat room. My name is Dan Potts and I'm your host for this evening as always. And back again is my boy Manny after one week off last week. Manny, how you doing, my bro? All good, man. All good. It's Friday and uh, I'm trying to find the positives out here, dude, man. So... Yeah, all good here. All good here, bro. Well, you're in the right company because on tonight is Mr. Positive Tom Canton from Laguna Talk TV. <laughs> oh, you're already labelling me. <laughs> already me. How are you, Tom? You're good, man. Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, man. Thanks for coming on. This should be get heated, man, because me and you, as much as we do get on, we don't always agree on all things Arsenal. So I'm looking lucky forward to getting lockdown, mate. It's lucky we're in lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> you know it, man. You know it. Do you know what? It won't be long, man, and we'll be able to actually have a chat in person. Oh, Jesus. Sure. I cannot wait for that day. I'll tell you that, man. But cheers for coming on, man. It's much appreciated. And also, joining us for the first time is Curtis Shaw from Curtis Shaw TV. Curtis, how you doing, bro? No, I'm good, bro. Pleasure to be here, man. Obviously, I've seen you doing good work out there. So happy to be here, man. I'm sure I'm sure the conversation will get lively tonight. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so, man. We're going to start with a little bit on what's happening currently on the pitch, not just off of it. Because I think what we're seeing off of the pitch is probably more positive than on it, if I'm honest with you, in terms of some of the dead wood we've seen in transfer windows, some of the players that are potentially linked to be rumoured to come into the club. But let's talk about um, what we're seeing on the pitch currently. And Manny, I'm going to start with you, man, because I want to talk specifically about Cedric and Pepe on this right-hand side, because as far as I'm concerned, I know you share this opinion that me and you are not too keen on Hector Bellerin and we think that his time might be up at Arsenal. Now, there is rumours that he may be leaving in the summer. Cedric, for me, was a bit of a strange signing in this January window when it came around. It was a bit of a, why have we bought someone for £5 million that we could have got free in the summer on loan, who's pretty much injured for the majority of that season? It was bizarre. However, I think it's worked this season, and I like what I'm seeing. The difference I'm seeing with Cedric to Bellerin is quite simple. There's two things. 
One, he works well with Pepe for one reason, because what Bellerin does, which Cedric does not do, is Bellerin is a player who is a bit more of a ball carrier in the wrong way. I don't see enough intelligence on the ball with Hector Bellerin. When Pepe is in front of him, he genuinely has a terrible game. When I see Maitland-Niles playing at right back, when I see Cedric playing at right back, Pepe seems to play all right. And the reason that I believe that is, is because Bellerin, a little bit like Meza Ozil, used to allow players to go towards him. Now, Bellerin, Ozil was fine because he had enough intelligence and was a good enough player technically to get out of, out of the trouble. The reason I've got is that Pepe is then having three players, sometimes two or three, dragged over to him. And then Pepe is saying, oh, cheers, Hector. Thanks for basically giving the ball now. I've got to get around these three players. What Cedric does, instead of inverting like Bellerin does, he goes on the outside. Therefore, Pepe can then not have that trouble of trying to get around three players. So the Arsenal fans, albeit some hate Pepe, will say Pepe again lost the ball. Absolutely dreadful. Well, Pepe's got to try and take it around two or three players now because Hector's put him in trouble. I don't see that with, with uh, Cedric. What I do see is that with Bellerin. So I personally don't think that this player is good enough on the ball, as in Hector Bellerin, to be considered as a first star in this team. Manny, let's come to you first, because I know you've got a lot to say on Cedric and Pepe. I believe that, I think earlier on we were talking about it, wasn't it 37 passes between each other against Leicester? And the City game, seven between Bellerin and Pepe? Like, straight yeah. away, they're linking up better, man, aren't they? It's not that hard to play better than Hector Bellerin. First of all, first of all, first of all, let's do this. Let's do this and let's be very clear with it. Let's take away all the excuses that people make for Hector Bellerin. The injuries, you know, the, the, the structure that he's in. Let's just remove all of that. This boy has not improved. He doesn't bring anything. Have you seen a more uncoordinated footballer? Can't run. Slow. Weak. Parson is a bit weak, can't cross, doesn't go on the outside, doesn't beat the man, doesn't know how to defend. He's useless. He's useless, and I'm hoping the Hector better in experience ends. And we said this before, Pots, we said it about Pepe, right? Yeah. Give him some options, right? Give him options to liberate himself from what? Two players, three players every single time. Look at the, um, who did we play? Benfica. Look at Saka. On his own, having to take on X amount of players, and you've got Hector mm. Bellerin and inside channel every single time. And then when he does have the opportunity to cross the ball, look where he went. So it's no surprise that you know Pepe and Cedric get along. First of all, both of them are a bit erratic. Both of them, you don't know what you're going to get with them. All right? So they're very similar in that sense. All right? And Cedric will actually try things. He will actually try to get in the box, pull across it, beat his man. Just do the simple things that you want a right back to do to help the man in front of him. It's just that simple. The Hector Bellerin experience, how long has he been in the first team? Unchallenged. Eight years. Eight years? I think it was only... Was he after the Bushi, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, you're the right. Well, so Bushi got Bellerin injured his... in that long-term injury, didn't he, the Bushi? And we, we kind of and upgraded it... Bellerin from the youth that, se that season. Right. So Bellerin has had that right-back, you know, role unchallenged for so long. And yet here we are. He's, what, 24, 25? Mm. Barcelona and PSG want him? Take him. Take him. Good luck to you. I'm sick of it. But I'm sick of it. I've had enough of it. You know what I mean? So Cedric and, and Pepe linking up, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. Just give him an option. That's it. That's all you need to do. 
Yeah. Listen, I, I'm I'm 100% with you. If the rumours are true about Hector Bellerin and Tom, I'm going to bring you in in a minute, um, then I would personally say goodbye to him and say and say thanks, but goodbye. You know, he's not a player I absolutely can't stand. He's not a player that has the attitude problem for me that some of the others have perhaps had in the past. I just don't think the guy's good enough, personally. Just going to bring this comment in here. Big up the real Giannis for the, uh, the kind donation. Thanks very much. Yes, Dan, star study class today. Lovely Daguna talk, Tom and, and Curtis. Tom, let's come to you, bro. Uh, Hector Bellerin, Cedric, what's your thoughts on both players? My question number one. And two, would you be happy to see Bellerin move in um, and potentially see an upgrade coming in the summer? I think the flat line is that Bellerin has not been the same player since coming back from his injury. Um, we, I know Manny there was saying about like, remove that element of his game as an excuse sort of thing. And I get that. He hasn't been the same player. Um, and we've needed kind of someone to come in and... The thing about Bellerin is before his injury, he was weirdly, as you talk about there, tactically speaking, a guy that would go outside. He would go to the byline. He would cut the ball back, low driven crosses. And that just hasn't seemingly been integrated back into his game since returning. Cedric is a solid backup right back for me. Like He's, he's not the guy I want to take Arsenal forward in the right back position, but he's someone that I'm... I've been convinced that I'm more than happy for him to be in the squad to provide that cover, not just right back, but he's done a solid job when he's been asked to to move to left back. He had that little bit of a brain fart against Aston Villa at the start of the game, which cost us. But besides that, he's looked very good. And also we talk about that relationship with Pepe. It's been good not only on the right, but the left. The game against Southampton when Pepe was X on the left, guess who was the left back in the game? It was Cedric. They combine well together. Even against Wolves, obviously, we went 1-0 up. Pepe goal. Who was the left back? It was Cedric in that game again as well. I know it went all kind of crap before half-time turnaround, but we were looking and we played some of the best football we've played in that first kind of 40 minutes against Wolves. And that was a lot down to Cedric and Pepe combining on that left-hand side. And What's interesting now is, is is what do we do with Bellerin? I'm very, very much inclined to agree in the sense that we need to look to move him on to the point where I'm pretty much writing weekly about which right-backs we need to be looking at in the summer. Um, and there are options out there that Arsenal can go for. And I think that Cedric is someone that will compete. He's someone that Arteta clearly likes. My hope is just that Arteta doesn't fall into this trap in going, right, Bellerin might be going at the end of the season, whether there's this unspoken agreement that I've seen kind of touted around on social media and throughout different media outlets that he's agreed to give us one more season and then he's going to go. Whatever with that is, I don't care. It just make the right decision for the team. Against Olympiacos, which is the bigger game for us in the next seven days, we need to be playing Cedric against Olympia. Arguably, we could play him in both games because we've had the week rest. I see no reason why we should be playing Bellerin, and I am very much inclined to agree with you guys that we need to do the this summer. And Tom, just staying with you, I mean, someone said in the chat, I don't even know where it is now, but they said it'd be interesting to know what Tom thinks of, of Pepe because a few weeks ago you just weren't getting it. Like, what do you think's changed? Is it just Cedric or do you think that Pepe's just come back into this side with, with a different attitude and a perspective of, I need to, need to stay in this team? Yeah, I'm assuming the comment kind of relates to my frustrations with Arteta putting him back to the right-hand side because he looked like an unleashed player on the left and against Southampton and Wolves, and even against Villa at times, he looked like a really good player to play on that left-hand side. And we kind of finally found that position where he was going to put the yards in, be able to take on players, be less predictable. Because on the right, his biggest problem was is that defenders knew exactly what to do against him. You cut inside, you show him onto that right foot, he's nothing. You show him onto the left, try and block a shot. And that's about all he's got, really. But on the left, he could go left or right. He could take players on. He could get driven crosses in. He could score with his right foot, as he showed against Wolves and against Dundalk in the Europa League as well. Really comfortably with his right foot. 
So when he moved back to the right, I was a little bit confused and I was criticising Arteta for making that decision. But Cedric being there, seemingly, as you've talked about, overlapping rather than underlapping him is a really kind of in, an interesting tactic to use because it means that left, his left foot can then be used to play in Cedric in behind and not always be far, uh, forced to kind of cut himself inside to create an opportunity. So I'm very much of the mind to say those two on the right-hand side should be the pair unless, of course, you've got the Saka thing to talk about as well, which is great. It's a nice dilemma to have, obviously. Yeah, of course it is. It's a good decision for Arteta. It's nice to have a couple of competition for places. Curtis, let's bring you in here, man, because I want to talk yeah. about Cedric and Bellerin and who you like or prefer. And also I want to get your opinions on Pepe because there's been a the 72 million thing. I've forgotten that to me. That's just that he's not a 72 million pound player and I've accepted that. But I still think he's a good player and I think that we can make some use of him. And I think we're proving that in the last couple of weeks. So what's your take on these players, Curtis? I mean, first of all, when you look at Bellerin and Cedric, I think how highly Cedric is being rated at the moment by the Arsenal fans kind of tells you where Hector Bellerin is as a player. You you know, you have to sort of remember this is a player that Southampton were willing to let run down his contract and just leave the club because they wanted a younger right back. I think they got Walker's Peters from uh, Tottenham. So... In terms of Hector Bellerin, my biggest problem with Bellerin is he's been in the first team. I think this is his eighth season in the first team. And I haven't seen enough of an improvement technically in this guy. You know, even at times where he's unmarked and he's got the chance to cross the ball in, the ball doesn't reach the target. He doesn't whip a ball in with pace. Often he just floats across into the box. Now, obviously, the ACL injury, I mean, it's one of the worst injuries you can get in football. So if he's lost half a yard of pace... That's totally understandable. No one's ever going to criticise him for that. We understand that. My problem is now that a fullback position is, in theory, it's an attacking position on the football pitch now. It's not like 15 years ago, Lee Dixon, Gary Neville, you know what I mean? And, and they let the winger do the job. The fullbacks now are getting seven, eight assists a season now, you know, getting forward. Bellerin's not providing that. And I just think. As you said, with the intelligence of Cedric, knowing when to make those runs, take away defenders to give Pepe that space to cut inside, it's just that little bit of footballing intelligence. You look at the best wingers in the Premier League now, it's the, the player they're playing with makes them the better player. You see Robertson overlap Mane, allows him to do his damage. On the other side, Salah and Trent. You have to work in twos, and, and Pepe had a great partnership with the right-back at Lille. And... I think in terms of Pepe, earlier on in the season, we were using him sort of like a right midfielder where he was getting chalk on his boots. He was on the halfway line. Often he had his back to goal even. Um, where I think now with Cedric, because Cedric's taking up those wide positions, you're now able to shift Pepe inside into more of a right forward position, which is where he often played for Lille. So as you said, the £72 million fee with Pepe doesn't, it doesn't bother me what we paid for him. I want to see him produce it. Um, and I think he needs a run in the team. He needs confidence. He needs to build up a partnership. I think we've seen in the last six weeks that there is a player in Pepe. And I think he's working harder now defensively as well. He's putting in a shift. And uh, listen, I just I hope we keep him in the team, you know, keep his confidence high. If we were to sell Pepe in the summer, I think we'd struggle to even get half of what we paid yeah. for in that market. So what's the point doing that? You know, we, we're going to lose anyway. And I think people have to understand, even though Pepe is 25, 
he hasn't played that much football for a 25-year-old, really, like at the top level. I don't think he'd ever played in Europa League or Champions League when he when he signed for Arsenal. So he's still re- like relatively inexperienced. So I think we just got to keep working with Pepe. And uh, I still think there's a player there. But in terms of Cedric and Bellerin, Bellerin for me, I would move him on in the summer. Cedric, although he's doing well, I still think we need that better right back than him um, as first choice. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think there needs to be an upgrade on Bellerin. And there are reports of Lamptey. There's other reports of, you know, Max Ahrens looks like he may be going now to Bayern Munich or Everton ahead of Arsenal. But I think that's another player we should be looking at. Manny, I'm going to spin it right back round on you. You've heard from all of us about Bellerin. A lot of the people in the chat were saying that you weren't harsh enough. Some in the chat saying you were harsh on Bellerin. Um, just to come back on you on that point, man. All three of us have spoken about the situation now. So uh, back to you, Manny. You know what? It's not even just his abilities; his mentality as well. Yeah. I think you know that whole Sanchez wants to win too much type of mentality. That that comment made me sick. That was really you know the the, the final nail in the coffin with me and Bellerin, because what does that mean? Wanting to win too much, you know? So an ability thing's gone out the window. He's just uh, he's not good enough. He's not good enough. And if you watch the Southampton game what Cedric did to kind of, um, to create that goal, all right? Just one ball, just one diagonal ball to Saka. Have you ever seen Bellerin do that? Have you mm-hmm. ever seen that? Very simple, very reasonable. You've never seen him do that. There is nothing about the guy that brings anything to the team at all. Him playing in this side is just, it's a detriment to this side. Now, Pepe, we said this before, but give him options. Give him options. Have a man going down, you know, on the overlap. And when he cuts inside, oh, look, there's a Smith Rowe in there. Smith Rowe's willing to go to the right-hand side. Okay, I can detach from the way. I can come into the centre. I can be a bit more of a nuisance. Give the man options. He costs him £2 million. Okay, but this is a very immature player that's still learning himself. So give him options. Have people around him. Allow him to detach. His best game for us was against Chelsea there. They cut final, right? He wasn't, you know, secluded to that right-hand side. He was able to move. Give him a bit more freedom and you'll see what happens. Listen, Arteta tested his chin. He responded a little bit. Let's see what happens. Give him options and we go from there, man. Yeah, fair play. I've always been a believer that Pepe is not a, just a right-sided uh, winger anyway. I loved loved him when he played up front at Anfield a couple of seasons ago with Unai Emery was in charge. I loved it in the FA Cup final against Chelsea and he was more central. And I still believe, although I'm not a lover of the number 10, that Pepe could play a lot more central. So I'm with you there 100%, Manny. One thing I'm not with the manager on, though, is Gabriel Martinelli. And I'm going to be interested to get your opinions on this one because... A lot of people keep telling me this manager rates him, this manager likes him, this manager sees him as the future, but it doesn't really show on the pitch. This guy's not getting minutes. This guy, for whatever reason, is sixth or seventh choice. And I appreciate that he had a knee injury and that he may be trying to protect him somewhat, but it doesn't really explain why he's not done that with other players. Uh, Tom, I'm going to start with you on this one, man, because I know me and you will probably disagree on this. I don't feel personally that this manager rates this kid. I just don't think that there is any way I can see how Arteta does. When I look at Aubameyang coming on at 3-1 against Leicester with 20 minutes to go, no need. Throw Martinelli on, give him some minutes. We go 3-1 up against Leeds. Where's Martinelli? Nowhere to be seen. He's not getting ahead of Erdegaard or Smith-Rowe on the left either now. He's not getting ahead of Pepe or Willian. And obviously you've got Saka on the right-hand side. So 
is it going to get to a stage where Martinelli is going to get frozen out of this squad long term, or is it just until he gets back? To, in your opinion, I, I do disagree with 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 the point of view about the rating of of Martinelli. I do believe Martinelli is rated by Arteta. I mean. Th- the thing about football is, and I, I talked about this on our show, is that it moves so quickly. You've got games every three, four days, and there's press conferences every three, four days, and it's another opportunity to play Martinelli, and he hasn't played. But in reality, just two months ago, Arteta was talking about him coming back from injury and how important he was going to be, and the fact he was using him as soon as he came back, in fact, so much that we rushed him back, and we got him back so quickly that... He got obviously an injury, he got injured in the in the warm-up to the Newcastle game. So it's not even the fact he's come back from a long injury. He's then suffered a couple of injuries since then. Um, but then there has been opportunities to play him. There has been chances, like you said, against Leeds when we were that many goals up. He could have come on then. Against Leicester at the end of the game, I agree with you. Aubameyang coming on instead of Martinelli. If you want to find opportunities to play Martinelli, that's, I think that's a perfect opportunity. You've got a team that are trying to get an equaliser. He's a, give, he's a kid that gives you loads of energy. Surely bring him on for the last five, ten minutes and cause Leicester a bit of a problem in the final third. So I personally, I don't have an explanation for that. I genuinely don't. I don't know why Arteta has not given him the minutes there. But I do believe that he does rate the kid as he's already spoken about in the media. And the fact that he basically brought him straight into the first team when he did come back in from from his injury in the first place, I think does show that. I do think he's dipped in terms of our, in terms of Martinelli's actual form. His performance when he came off the bench against Benfica was very poor. He didn't even give us mm. the pressing that he usually gives us. There was no chasing of defenders. There was no forcing mistakes. And overall, the team's last 10, 15 minutes against Benfica in the first leg was very, very poor. And, and he has dipped, arguably, behind Willian in the, in the in the bit of the pecking order over the last couple of games because Willian's come on against Benfica in the second leg, created that assist for Tierney and created things. He's had a decent game against Leicester. He has got more stock in the short term now than what Martinelli has. And I think that when you look at Arsenal's season, we have relied upon youngsters like Saka and Smith-Rowe to drag us out of this really poor position as we have done over the last sort of three months or so. And I'm not sure that Arteta wants to put more emphasis on youngsters being the saviours of this team. And he is going to put more weight, as he spoke about after the Leicester win, about giving more, not necessarily more opportunities, but again, making sure that the experienced players are the ones that are stepping up now and dragging this team into a better position before the end of the season. I think it's I think it's fair play, and and I want to bring this comment in here, Curtis. I'll come to you on this one, man, because Rohan's put a great uh, great comment up here. It says Arteta doesn't know how to handle youngsters with big personalities, Martinelli, Saliba, Guendouzi, etc. Now I understand this comment because on the one hand you're looking at the Sackers and Tierneys and Smith Rose thriving in this team, and you then have the Martinelli and Saliba and Guendouzi situation. Now the Guendouzi one, whether you like him or hate him, I particularly did like him, but there was a, a, an argument with him and the manager. All right, so we can understand that one. But maybe not so much with, with Saliba, Maitland-Niles and Martinelli. They're the ones that confuse me. Curtis, what's your take on this situation, bro? I mean, he's he's come up under Pep Guardiola anyway. Discipline is everything under Pep. And I think he had so much to deal with when he came in as manager, Arteta, that I think rather than facing some of these situations head on, I kind of think he was like, just get that one out of the way. Get that one out of the way. I've got too much to deal with. Look, I look at the Martinelli situation. I think I think Martinelli's a top, top talent. I think he can actually eventually become a striker to me. Um, I just think mm. 
he's 19 years of age. He had quite a bad knee injury. Um, I think he was out for six months. He came back into the team after the injury, played a few times, and then obviously he has the setback. And I kind of look at, I think it's a bit of a political decision at the moment, what's going off. You look at those two wide areas where Martinelli tends to play at the moment. Saka's nailed one of them down at the moment. So any big game we're playing, Saka's playing, one of them's gone. So then you've got Pepe, Willian, Martinelli fighting for the other. Sometimes he's even playing with two number 10s with Smith Rowe and Odegaard. I think as a manager now, he needs to know what he's doing with Pepe. So Pepe is ahead of Martinelli. They paid so much money for him. He's just signed Willian in the summer, giving him a big contract. He's been poor this year. The fans are putting pressure on so he's probably trying to prove a point with Willian that, look, I'll still play you. I'm going to prove to everyone that you are the player that I believe you are. I think when you've got a 19-year-old player there who hasn't come from a big level, he hasn't come from Real Madrid, he came from, what, the Brazilian third or fourth division. They've tied him down to a five-year contract. He's also had one or two injuries since the big injury. I think it's an easier decision for Mikel Arteta to say, just relax. I'll give you a little bit of game time. And he's probably already saying to him, you know, next season or whatever, which fans get frustrated about. And Martinelli's probably frustrated about. But I just think it's a bit of a political decision in the dressing room. I, look, I would love to see him get more game time because would I rather see a 19-year-old who I think has got a massive future playing ahead of a 32-year-old Willian who's on the decline? You know, it's a no-brainer. We'd all want to see Martinelli, but... I think it's a bit of a political decision at the moment. I just think, I think Martinelli's just going to have to bide his time, um, even if it's next season when he when you see him get more game time. Okay, fair play, Manny. I'm going to let you come in on this point because I know you're quite passionate about this. And there was a a comment earlier in, in a private chat. You said I can't wait to comment on this. So I guess it was the one about how Arteta is uh, dealing with the young players. Yeah, it is, man, and and. and... Young players with big personalities. First of all, Guendouzi was a child and still is a child. Right? So he still needs to grow up. That's not a big personality. That's just a boy who needs to understand what it means to be an adult. Right? He's a twat. That's not a big personality. Saliba, we don't even know his personality. Right? We don't know what he's about. Martinelli wants it. We can see that he wants it. But he has to earn it. What makes anybody think that Arteta doesn't like Martinelli? Well, because he's not starting games and not getting minutes. Make him earn it. How old is he? 19? 20 years old? So we want to see Arteta messing. Nearly 20 years old. So then what happens when he mismanages them? Right? What happens when a Smith-Rowe situation happens? Because Smith-Rowe had no business being in the Leicester game. You could see that injury coming. So you can see that Arteta is still mismanaging players here and there. He's still learning himself. So everybody wants Martinelli. I want Martinelli. We want him. We want to see him. Then what happens when the guy croaks? Are we going to complain to Arteta again? You should have started him before. You should have done this. Listen, Martinelli's got to earn it. And it's the quotes that Arteta came out with about Martinelli recently. You can paraphrase him however you want to. He is not ready to fit in this structure. You haven't got the tools that I need at the moment. However... You are such a game changer that when I really do need you, I may call on you. So what's the point of bringing them on against Leicester? The game's done. We've won that game. All right? When it's important, you want the Martinelli. 
You want somebody who's going to do the things that William won't do. You want that erratic, you know, you want that chaos. Right now, let him earn it. The assumptions that everybody's making, Arteta doesn't like him, this, that, and the third. Nobody's got any proof of that. He's 20 years old and he wants it. He's just got to go out there and earn it. So let him earn it. He'll get his time. I hope you're right, bro. I really do. Because I sit there and think, you know what? You might be spot on, but I don't know how he's going to earn it when this manager won't even give him 10 minutes on the pitch. So that's what's frustrating me currently. Yeah, he's been giving Willian all the time in the world. Let, let, stop complaining about that, bro. Just Willian <laughs> is a perfect example of what Martinelli was. He's an example for Martinelli. Willian is not the future. Right, William may not even be at the club next season. The position for Martinelli in this team right, is there for him to go and earn. At the minute, there is something that he is not doing. He needs to learn it. And if he's got to learn it off of William, so be it. But let that boy earn it. He did it to Saka last season. I'll tell you that, right? He didn't play the last few games of the last few games of last season. Saka was nowhere to be seen. Maybe he was dropped for the same reasons. These players have got to earn it, all right? They can't have it all their own way. So let that boy earn it. That's it. That's it. The position is there for him. The guy wants it. The guy will be a superstar, period. Well, I think he will be a superstar and I hope he will be. And let's hope that we see him at some point tomorrow. Fingers crossed we get to see a little bit more of Martinelli because he excites me as a player. After this short break, we're going to bring on our Burnley fan. West Cork Beard Company make beard oil and beard balm for a strong, healthy, great-looking beard. Handmade from all natural ingredients in Clonakilty, West Cork. Check out their YouTube channel for beard care tips and advice. Or catch them online at westcorkbeardcompany.ie Please welcome back to the same old Arsenal podcast. Natalie Bromley from the No Nay Never podcast. Natalie, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Another Friday night, another gate crashing of Arsenal ranting. I love it. You know what makes me laugh? Natalie always comes on a bit early and starts to listen. And whenever Manny's on, she's like, oh, brutal, brutal. Oh, savage, savage. <laughs> savage, savage. Love it. Natalie, how are you doing, darling? You good? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. I'm not going to lie, I'm getting a little bit fed up with this lockdown business now. I'm quite looking forward to April. Um, the sun is shining and we all need to get out of this. Um, and I'm quite looking forward to us getting back to some live football. I can't believe we're nearly at the end of an entire season where we've not seen a single second of live football. It is killing me. And I get it, you know, there's, there's bigger problems. I understand that. But sometimes you're allowed to just be a little bit selfish and go, you know what, this sucks. I'm really missing the football. And I'd be interested to see what you guys think, actually, Dan. I think you and I have touched on this a little bit before. I think this is the most disengaged I've ever been about football this season. And it, it can't be a coincidence. It must be linked to the lack of like live games, surely. Well, I think so. And I think results are saying that the players have been affected by as well because the quality has not been up to scratch, in my opinion, this Premier League season. I think we've seen some crazy, crazy results. Um, and it's not just been a poor season for us. It's been a poor season for many teams. I mean, if you only got a look at Liverpool, that Arsenal will be in tip for relegation the last time Nat- Natalie and I spoke. And now all of a sudden we're three points behind Liverpool. So it is absolutely crazy to see what this season has done. But let's talk a little bit about Burnley before we go into other things, Natalie, because sure. strange stuff at the moment. 
moment happening at your football club. I don't know what I don't know what to predict at the moment. What was what are we expecting from this Burnley side tomorrow? Because what I'm seeing at the moment is very up and down. Yeah, I, I think what you can expect tomorrow is don't know. <laughs> it's it's been it's been the craziest season ever. It's been a crazy season by Burnley standards anyway. Um, but because we always have a funny season, we always have half a season where we're utter just garbage and then the other season where we put a run together and we're really like quite strong and that's been our survival blueprint for what five years now um this season's been a slog every single game we've been in the relegation battle the entire season and we've not literally done that since the last time we went down in what 2013 14 season um it's a bit of a funny one we look tired we look fed up. We look lacking in energy. We're looking lacking in ideas. We've been like, you know, we're not the most entertaining side at the best of times, but this season's been painful to watch at times. And it's all been because we've just been on this upward battle all season to try and stay in the league. I think, touch wood, um, we're there now. Um, I'm just, what sums it up for me is that we could put a little bit of a run together. And after the Palace game, that crazy game where we won 3-0 away down at Sellers Park. Um, we were 11 points clear of relegation. It was like, well, we're done now. It's going to be fine. Then we played Brighton, West Brom and Fulham back to back at home and drew every single game. We got, what, three points out of a possible nine. And you just think, guys, what are you doing? Our lead's now been cut down to six points. And it's like we're now right back in a relegation fight again with horrible, horrible games to come. So... Do you know what? I would I would happily just want to get to the end of this season now. If we finish 17th, so be it. If we finish one goal above relegation, so be it. But I've just got to the point where I just think this season just needs writing off. It's horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not like me, is it, to be that down on no. it? Usually I will find the... But I don't know whether it's a combination of just the, the being disengaged with it and just the troubles of this season and adding on to that the other social challenges that we're all facing being in this pandemic. Um, but I, I'm, some of the things that didn't used to bother me about Burnley because it was just what we did to survive have really irritated me this season and I've really not enjoyed watching them and I'm getting really annoyed that every single game we just have to watch this garbage defensive football where like they don't even try and go out there and win a game it's about getting a point and it's it's been a long hold slog it really has mm, I can imagine before I move to the two lads I just want to Manny's just dropped off for some reason I feel he'll come back on in a minute um I just want to touch on team news because I know that there are doubts over Ashley Barnes there's a doubt over Robbie Brady as well I believe what's it looking like for you tomorrow That's- yeah they they they're not even proper they they, they won't be in they will be in the game I mean you know what that hasn't helped us this season anyway we have had I've I've never known an injury hit season like this one in my entire life watching Burnley. And when you're operating with a really small squad anyway, then you know you just get the level of injuries that we got, and it's it's like terrifying. And and would be amazing to stay in the league when we've got them. I think at one point we had seven first team players out. We couldn't fill a bench. We had three keepers on the bench, and every I think one maybe Eric Peters was the other one, and then everybody else was the youth team, like the under-23s, and you think, this is a Premier League fixture, what is going on? Um, And then just as we started to... You see, the problem for us is just as we started to get the players back, because we're operating on such a small squad, and we've asked a lot of these players, they didn't have a proper pre-season, they finished straight after Project Lockdown, and they don't get a break, 
they just get injured again. You know, good Munson came on and he's injured again. So, yeah, Ashley Barnes won't be around, but Chris Wood is back and he does make a difference to our threat. He brings out the best in Charlie Taylor and Dwight McNeil on the left. Um, and I suspect that Matty Vidra will play alongside him as well. So, um, listen, you know how we're going to play. We won't attack you. We'll sit tight and then we'll catch you on the break and probably beat you because that'll just be this season. Wouldn't it be just this season for us to find the double of you? What the hell will that be all about? It really would, you know. That this this is the problem with this season. I cannot predict it. Not Not playing well at the moment, Burnley. It's fair to say. You said you just no, want to stay in the no. league, Natalie. Um, I've got to ask this because one person who I always think is your saviour um, is this guy here, which is Sean Dyche. But someone's asking. Ethan is asking. <laughs> ask if Natalie is Sean Dyche in or out. Surely it's a Sean Dyche in. Surely, yeah, in. surely, never surely. out. Yeah, no, never out. Um, I think I think we've got to be careful. Um. The, the problem is, is that it's quite unusual now to have a manager who's been at the club as long as he has. And God, you yeah. guys know that more than anybody. Um, Dash is foot, Burnley Football Club now. He he runs it from top to bottom. I'll be interested to see whether that stays that way with the new new board. We've, obviously, since we last fought, we've had a takeover. So we're now owned by the Americans, which is it. Um, and we're told that there is money to spend in the summer. So actually, we're going to be able to buy players, which are badly needed. Um, I, I think... I love Dash and I love what he's done. And I think with this squad of players and the, the way we are at the moment, I think you would be crazy to, to get rid of him. That said, there's a very fine line between consistency, which brings results, and staleness, which comes from consistency. And what we need to analyse this season, I think, is whether or not this season's performance has been the result of tiredness, fatigue and an ageing squad that needs to be refreshed or whether we've suddenly got a little bit stale and we've been found out and just the blueprint we use in a season to survive can just be counteracted and we just drop out of the league. So I am very much in, and I think he is the man for the job, but I'm also not an idiot. And if at some point there comes a point where he's done, you know, his, his time is up, then, you know, that, that time will be there. I won't be, I'm not one for keeping him the job for the sake of it and, just letting the club decline because we won't make a decision. Fair play. I happen to be a Sean Dyche fan and I think it's good to keep yeah, the that you've shown. I think he's done a great job. Just bring this comment in. Thanks for your kind donation. Love the content, lads. Keep it up. Thank you very much, Aww. Emmett. Manny, let's You're come welcome. to you, man. <laughs> Manny, let's come to you. Um, Burnley tomorrow, Sean Dyche. We know what's going to happen. We know how they're going to play. What do you make <clears> on this one, Manny? If Sean Dyche represents what Burnley is, and that is tragic, because that guy is a moany, whiny little bit. <laughs> Sean Dyche has always got to complain about something. There's always something going wrong. Oh, it's my God. always going to get some. Wow. Well, I hate it very much. So, you know, Sean Dyche is just a... There's always something wrong, right? Somebody's always doing something wrong to Sean Dyche and to Burnley. The guy, if he represents you guys, is tragic. Move on from him. (laughs) Move on from him. Yeah, Manny, I'm not sure I agree with that. And that's interesting if that's a common external perception of Dash, because my view of Dash is quite honest. I don't, he doesn't tend to blame, like I don't really necessarily hear him having a pop at the referees oh, or it doesn't and if decisions go against us it's like well you win some you lose some it's quite i'm quite surprised to hear that i think it's quite no, no. The, okay. the way when he speaks right when 
there's been a decision that's gone against him. It happens to every single football team on a regular basis. It just seems whenever I hear the man open his mouth, he's got to complain about something. He's always got to complain. Listen, you guys can do better than Sean Dyche. Period. You really? can do better than that. Don't let Sean Dyche be what Tony Pulis was to stoke. <laughs> let that go. Let it go. Let it go and move on. Sean, first of all, is terrible football. He's doing his best, but he's terrible football. Do you not think, do you not think Dash? Do you not think Dash is doing the best he can with the players that he's got? I'm not being funny, but I'm not entirely sure that Ashley Barnes is like messy esque up front. You know, he he hasn't got the players who can play entertaining football. That's just apart from Matty, Matt Lawton, who a couple of weeks ago turned into Lionel Messi and did this wonderful <laughs> goal, which I'm not really sure. That was the Palace game. I'm not really sure where that came from but Manny you've got to I'm not sure whether it's Daesh that's the problem in posing a style of football on these players or he's just having to do the best he can with the players he's got we can't afford um, a player who can take players on the on the wing we don't have flair players we can't afford them even even if you have flair players Sean Daesh does not know what expansive attractive football is He's a one-dimensional manager. Well, it's the Samaradais. You know, that he's never had the chance groups. to display that, though, Manny. He's never had the and chance he never to be will. Okay. And he never will because he's not expensive enough with the players that he has got. Yeah. Well, he can, play, was... he can play them in different formations. He can do a little bit more with them, you know. He doesn't have to make them play like this way. Do you know what I mean? But he's in that little bracket, that Samaradais, Steve Bruce, Alan Pardew. You know, that little bracket just there. Sean Dash is not going to bring you to the promised land. He's one-dimensional. He's not We're in the change. promised land. Is, <laughs> what, where, is there a promised land that's not the Premier League? Where is this? <laughs> what Europe. Are we the Premier League in Europe. He Europe. took us to Europe. We, we, yeah, and look what happened. Us. He's terrible. Okay. You can do better. Well, you can do better than Sean Dash. Well, Natalie, I, I take that on board. <laughs> Natalie, Natalie fa- thanks for your uh, first and last, or second and last appearance <laughs> on the same old Arsenal podcast. <laughs> yeah. When Dan no. texts me, I'll be like, is money on? Yes, bring it yeah. on. <laughs> hey, listen, ev- everybody's, everybody's entitled to opinion and I can just respectfully ignore it. So, you know, <laughs> money has got a right to opinion as much as I have. It just it just happens to be wrong on this one and that's okay. <laughs> no, this I wish I was wrong. I wish I was wrong about it. it and it always seems to be against us that he's got something to do. I was going to say, is, is this, is this a bit of sour grapes here? Sour grapes? I mean, <laughs> I'm not, not doing great. No, I'm not doing great. There's not much to be sour about. But I just wish that the man would just stop complaining. Use the players that you have. Try something <laughs> new and move on. Move on. You don't have to play this way. He's boring. He's boring and he's a bitch. You, you guys need to move on from him. Yeah, we we are, we're going to move on from this as well, Curtis. I'm going to bring yeah. you in, bro. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you have. Is Manny being? Is Manny got a point? Is Manny being harsh? And what's your take on this weekend, man? Um, first of all, I'm quite good friends with Andre Gray, and obviously Andre Gray. Oh, interesting. He was at Burnley, and he did really well there. He did. I, I actually think. Um, I think Sean Dyche has done well with Burnley. To be honest, I, I, I take Manny's point. You know, if, if Burnley are on the TV Super Sunday, I'm, I'm probably not watching it because, you know, your football is not entertaining, let's be honest. But I, I grant what you say no, with the schools he's got. If you've got Barnes and Chris Wood up front, what are you going to do? You're going to put crosses into Goof the box. it over. That's all you can do. 
Uh, and I think I think he's done well. He got you to Europe, and and I hope you don't take this disrespectfully. I kind of view Burnley as a Championship club that have managed to stay in the Premier League for quite a long time, and I think I think that's yeah. a big achievement of him, really. To what what I, what I will say, I think you like you said, you have to be careful whether he's doing well keeping you up or whether he's become stale and you're just stuck in a position. We made that's my biggest worry this season. Yeah, that's the thing. And I, and I was just going to say, obviously, you said um, American owners and started celebrating. Well, not all American <laughs> owners are that. No. You know, we're in the hard way. But you know, if they invest a little bit of money, I think with the game tomorrow, obviously, it's an interesting one for Arsenal because the team selection. We got this Europa League game. We're not too sure whether we go full strength or or rotate. I think you guys need a win. Um, I can understand Sean Dyche because I remember I was at the game at Burnley where Koscielny and the Oxlade Chamberlain like handball. I remember Sean Dyche was going mad. And then we got the penalty at the Emirates. Alexis chips it down the middle last minute. So I think that's why Sean Dyche kind of hates Arsenal a little bit because uh, he can't understandable a little bit. <laughs> no, listen, I think Arsenal need to... I think we need to beat you tomorrow. Um, mm. We've got to still see if we can chase a top six, top four spot, even though yeah. I don't think we will. And I think I think for the morale of, of your fans as well, I mean, gosh, this is this is a much better conversation than it was the last time we spoke because you guys were really down in the dumps that last time. I was like, are you like, OK, do we need to talk? You know, like you were all like completely down in the dumps, like what was it, six months ago? So this is a much more positive frame of mind that you're all in. And I did tell you at the time that things would get better. But I do think that in preserving that that upward trajectory that you guys are on, to lose two, to have Burnley do the double over you, and this sounds like I'm being harsh to myself, but to see Burnley do the double over you this season will not be a good thing. And I think that's what worries me about tomorrow's game in that, you know, you have to show that it was a blip and it was due in your sort of like really down, like the worst point of the season when you played us and that that's, you know, that's not going to happen again. Um, It's a difficult one though, really, because... We need the points more than you do. Um, I know you probably would disagree with that because everybody's got their own subjective aims for the seasons. But we're desperately trying to survive. And all it will take is for Fulham to put a couple of results together and we're in trouble. Um, But I I just question whether or not, even if mentally we're up for the fight, whether we've got the legs in it. And, you know, if you turn it on anywhere near like, look what happened to the Spurs game, you know, last weekend, you could run riot. So as Dan said at the beginning, I genuinely can't, can't um I think do you know what I think you need to do tomorrow I think you need to run at us you need to be you need to up the tempo because we can't cope with that at the moment um you know our the whole of Trinity Pope and Tarkovsky and me can only do so much and if they're getting pounded all the time with crosses all over the place defensively we're a lot weaker this season than we were last year um if you sit back and, and sort of like let wait for an opportunity or don't really grab the the game by the scruff of the neck you could easily just end up getting a draw or worse, we could nick it. So that's yeah. that's where you win tomorrow. Set out to the blocks 100 miles an hour, uh, be creative, make us run, chase the ball, get the ball wide, put it in the box. Should be a slam dunk for you. Yeah. Natalie, if, if, if you can just do that tomorrow for us, that'd be great. Uh, just say that to our team and we'll take three points and get on to Limpoyakos game. <laughs> Tom, I'm going to bring you in because uh, when Manny was chatting, he was just shaking your head, totally disagreeing with his comments about Sean Dyche. So first of yeah. all, I'll bring you on on that one. And then I want to ask you about what you think the Arsenal team is going to be after that, Tom. 
Yeah, no, obviously, greatest of respect to Manny's opinion. I just can't, I, I don't agree with it whatsoever. I, I feel like with what Burnley is and the situation that they're in every single season where they're barely able to kind of bring in like the same amount of quality. I mean, they, Burnley watch teams come up from the championship and spend ridiculous amounts of money trying to stay in the Premier League. And Burnley get by by adding one or two players from either a championship side or another Premier League side. And, and they're actually quite savvy with some of the signs that they make. Sean Dyche and what he's done there is the perfect manager for that situation. Is Burnley's ultimate goal to get into the Champions League or get into Europe every season? No, of course it's not. At this stage, with the owners that they've had, the investment that they've had, that is not the target that they're set at the beginning of each season. And I think that maybe... The way I'm interpreting what Manny was saying, I think maybe it's coming from the perspective of an Arsenal fan imagining if they were sitting in that situation, you want to try and push yourself as much up as possible. But Arsenal are able to spend a hell of a lot of money each summer and Burnley just aren't capable of doing that. So for what Sean Dyche has done, to add one or two mediocre players into the squad every single summer and yet see teams come up from the championship and battle it out and then usually do pretty well. And I can actually understand, I have sympathy for the amount of times he moans in press conferences, because if the difference between staying up and relegation is a few points, and you drop those points because a ref has dropped a clanger during, I'm going to be moaning out my backside all, every single week. So I can understand the, the level going into that game. So I think Sean Dyche is doing an amazing job. But now with the new ownership, and the money that will come in and the way that you can change. I hope that you don't do like a Fulham when they first came up to the Prem the first time around and go out and spend loads of money. I hope it's gradual. I hope that it's a slow process and you gradually improve certain areas. And if it turns out that Sean Dyche isn't the manager for that type of investment, then that's the time when you move on and you yeah, get a manager in the for that investment. Yeah, Tom, I couldn't agree more. I don't think you put it actually a hell of a lot more eloquently than I did. And that's exactly the argument that uh, but Manny railed me. So I just went into default. Shadow. <laughs> um, but um, I think I think the, the balance for me, and I think this is how I probably explain it from my perspective, being a Burnley fan, and this is not something that you guys have had to put up with as, as supporters. There is a difference. It's the ultimate battle between entertainment versus results. And the supporter in you, needs the results so the supporter in me says I don't care whether it's dull to watch I don't care if it's dash hoofball every single season if we get to have another season in the Premier League and we get to survive here that's what happens but the fan in me wants to be entertained I don't want to sit and watch hoofball it's it's really like the West Brom game my god that's 90 minutes of my life I'm never getting back Um, and that was painful to watch the problem is is that for a side like Burnley the finances and the exposure that being in the Premier League bring to you have skewed the balance of priorities in a season where results are now way more important than entertainment. And I'm not being funny, it's not just us that are doing it. You know, Mourinho's been hailed as a tactical genius this season for getting Spurs 1-0 up and then sitting back and defending it. Well, I'm sorry, is that not what we've been doing for the past five (laughs) years and now we're dinosaurs? You know, and it's just, it's frustrating from our perspective, but until the money is distributed in a more even way or until a club like Burnley can attract external investment over and above the TV revenue, which is our only source of income, then we will always have to take results over entertainment and we'll always have to have to just try and survive. Um, and if the Premier League fans hate us for it, then I'm really sorry, but life's <laughs> not fair. Well, I've never had a problem with Burnley. I've never had a problem with Sean Dyche, to be fair. It's obviously just Manny. Hold Manny, on, I'm going to... Hold on. Go on, hold on. Go on Manny. Uh-oh. 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 
we're talking because I, I never said anything about investment. I never said anything about bringing players in. I said, but the man himself. Now, have Burnley gotten players that are different to what Sean Dyche is wanting to build? Has he bought a player that kind of moves away from the style of football that he wants to play? It's the same type of player over and over and over again. You cannot tell me that there isn't a player out there that moves away from his style of football. He will get the same kind of players and you will be stuck in that same loop. Give me an example, not... Manny. Give me well, an example Robbie, of the Robbie, players. Robbie, Bra- Robbie Brady and McNeil, were they not away from yeah. that? I don't know. Good, good Munson. And, and look, this, you still play the same kind of football. Not when they're on the pitch, we don't. You do. It's still boring. It's still stale. It's still not moving forward. <laughs> it's still not doing anything. So if you really want to move on from that kind of football, I'm thinking of Eddie Howe. Those oh. three players that you've oh. mentioned. We, those three Eddie, players that you've mentioned. We had Eddie Howe. And he left. We I never wasn't, had Eddie Howe. I wasn't, follow, I wasn't following Burnley. I'm thinking Burnley, Sean Dash Burnley. But I'm thinking of Eddie Howe kind of manager. And those three players. The football will not be the one that you're watching at the moment. Sean Dash is very one-dimensional. Very one-dimensional. And if it's you not, move though. forward... If you want to move forward, if you want to move forward and actually you want to see the expansive football you're talking about, you need to move away from the Sean Dash of this world. So Manny, yeah, but... Manny, let me ask you this. Sorry, Natalie. No, Manny, yeah. let me ask you this. Because there, there is a there is a danger, is there not, of Burnley doing what Stoke did and getting somebody like Mark Hughes in and it all just going wrong. Or somebody of different manager, different style of the Tony Pulis's of this world, which you're saying obviously Dyche is similar to, and it goes wrong and Burnley go down then what do we do? We've seen it with a lot of managers as well. I just can't think that they've had that style stayed in the league. It's worked for them. And then they've gone away from that and tried to then progress. And it's gone down. We've seen it with West Brom. They've gone up, down, up, down, had so many managers of different styles. I think if you find one with Bernie, I don't think Sean Dyche is doing a bad job, Manny. Where is the progress at the moment? Where is the progress at the moment? Well, progress for us has been five consecutive seasons in the Premier League and eight out of the last... 10 seasons in the Premier League. For a side like Burnley on the income that we get, we should never be anywhere near the Premier League. Now, I, I disagree with your one-dimensional comment with Dash, and Curtis will know this because if he is good, for, obviously not if he is, he is a good friend with, with um, Andre Grace. He will have seen us. When we were in the Championship, when we came up, runners-up behind Leicester, when we won the league, our play was fantastic. It was one of the most entertaining stars in the Championship. So it's more of, it's more the the pressures of the Premier League that dictate the style of play is doing not, and the players he's got to work with. We could afford flair players, and he could afford to play expand, expansive football in the Championship because our finances permitted it. To get that same layer of player who can t- who can run at players and be creative and be ruthless in front of the goals in the Premier League against some of the defences that the big six teams have got, well, you're talking 30, 40 million a player we can't afford one of them, never mind three in the squad that can change a game. Um, but you know what? You, you've got to start somewhere. And if, if at the moment we can just stay around the league long enough to keep building on those finances and keep building a reputation. And as Tom said, you know, if we then start to improve on those players and we get more expansive play, if, if actually Dash has got too rigid now and he now only knows how to play that, then we move on. But I don't think you're right in what you're saying, that Dash is the cause and the root problem there. I think it's a combination of all of those factors. Oh, no, I'm not saying he's the root cause of the problem, but we all know when it comes to, when there's issues at a football club, the manager's always the first one to take the hit. Right? He's the front line. Arsenal did it for years. Always the first person to take the hit is always the manager's fault. 
I'm looking at the team and I'm looking at the football, it can be a whole lot better than what it is. And it won't be on this manager. That's just my opinion. Yeah, no, it's, it, it, hey, listen, I'm not, I'm not disputing your opinion. I'd, just the very quick point before you go then, just so I've got this in my head. Are you, are you just categorising? Because it's been particularly bad this season and I get that. But for the past couple of seasons, it's been way better than that. So are you, are you pushing everything onto this season or are you talking like the past five years, for example? I'm talking this season. Yeah, well, this season this has season. been a bad season. We've been in a relegation battle, but I don't, I don't necessarily think that correlates with us saying we can do better than Dash. But I think, I think you're I right. Think I think if on, you Manny. stay in the Premier, if you stay in the Premier League this season and Sean Dash remains the manager, you will see the same kind of football next season. It depending on, I, I think it'll depend on the players we bring in. To be honest, but oh we'll see. We, we've got you a date, Manny. This time next year, we'll sit down and we'll yeah. see what happened. <laughs> It's been a good debate. I'm going to agree to agree. Natalie, I know you've got to shoot off, so I'm just going to yeah, quickly sorry, get your thanks. score score prediction before I finish up with the boys here. What's your score for tomorrow? Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I've always got to back my boys, so I'm going to... Oh, my head, I actually keep saying 1-1. One, one. I think it's going to be a draw, but I've got to back my boys, so I'm going to say 1-0. One new again. It was that in a reverse fixture, so I hope, of course, you are wrong. Natalie, always a pleasure. Great You're debate welcome. with Manny. Love to have you on again next season. So uh, take care of yourself. You and, too, guys. Um, Thank you, Natalie. Good to Bye, see guys. you. Take care, Natalie. Bye. Yeah. Right. Wow, we've all calmed down now. <laughs> uh, right, Tom, let's come to you, man. Team news for tomorrow. Um, what do we think this team news is going to be in relation to Arsenal? Because I think we've got to still rotate. We've got some big games coming up against Olympiacos and Spurs. So what's your take on this one, Tom? I genuinely don't think he is going to rotate that much. Um, okay. I, 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 and that's, I, I agree with you in the sense that I think there should be rotation going into these games. But trying to get into the head of Arteta and thinking about what he has done previously... He hasn't liked to rotate. Games in which we thought Smith-Rowe might get a rest or games we thought Saka might get a rest and et cetera, they haven't been rested. Um, and he took the opportunity to rest quite a few against Leicester because we obviously had this we had this week uh, break as well. So if you could rest some players against Leicester, amazing because you've got another like extra seven days on top of that. I think he'll go... I think Willian might keep his place because we know that he wants to try and get Willian to to a level that we saw him performing for Chelsea. We know, and speaking to Chelsea fans, they tell me that he goes through these periods and seasons where he'll have like six games where he shows like his quality and, and he'll play really, really well. So if that's the start of that six game stint, then great, get him in and hopefully he can get a couple more assists in these games. But it's it's tough to predict what he's going to go with. I think Aubameyang will probably start this game and will start the game in, in uh, is it in Greece? I think it is in Greece the first leg. Yeah. So when we go to Greece, it will be Aubameyang up top in both games. It would be my prediction, even with Lacazette getting the penalty. Um, it's just going to be about when Saka inevitably comes in, which one of Willian or Pepe will lose out. And I have a weird feeling that it might be Pepe because I think Arteta likes playing Willian on the left. And that excites me in a way because we've seen the impact of Cedric on Pepe. So seeing the impact, hopefully, if he starts Cedric on Saka could be even better. 
Okay, fair one. Uh, I personally feel like we're going to see a similar team to what we saw against Leicester. I think he's going to try and keep the the rest for these uh, some of these boys for the big games coming up. And listen, there's three massive games: Olympiacos, Spurs, and Olympiacos again. That could be the the kind of make or break for our season, in my opinion. Curtis, what's your take on this uh, this tomorrow? Is he going to rotate? I think he'll go with a fairly strong team because the reality is a lot of people have. Um hammered Mikel Arteta this season. And one thing that you don't need is two defeats against Burnley in a season. You know, that that's quite an embarrassing feat for a big club. Um, I think Thomas Partey will play because I'm pretty sure he hasn't started since he came back from injury. Now, going into that Olympiacos and Spurs game, he probably needs to start a game and get 60 or 70 minutes under his belt to make sure he's fit. Kieran Tierney, for me, is the interesting one because... He's had injury problems. We know how important he is to the team. Um, Burnley away, you know, I'm sure it'll be a physical game, early kickoff. Do you risk him or do you play Cedric at left back and put Bellerin at right back? That'll be interesting. Um, I think he'll probably bring Aubameyang back into the team just because, you know, he missed the last game. Strikers, they want to keep playing games, keep scoring goals. Although I actually thought Lacazette was brilliant against Leicester. And... um, and then Saka again, you, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he came back into the team as well. I just hope it's not Pepe who gets dropped because, you know, I, I want Pepe to continue playing. But as you said there, you know, he likes Willian and Willian just dropped the best performance of the season for him. So he clearly wants Willian to work. So I think I think there's a possibility of him playing. I think Xhaka, someone was saying Xhaka's played 12, 90 minutes in a row. For me, I'd use it as an opportunity to rest him. Um, I, I've wanted to see Thomas Partey next to Ceballos. Um, I don't think those two have started a game together. And, uh, we, you know, I'd like to see what that partnership is like. It's kind of crunch time for Ceballos now. They're talking about, are we going to buy him or not? And I think I think the fans are quite split on Ceballos. I think everyone agrees that he's got talent, but we're just not sure whether he's consistent enough. Um, so I'd like to see Sabios and, and Partey play in the middle. And uh, I think you'll play a strong team, but maybe one or two positions you'll rotate. Fair play. I personally feel like he may go for the same front three. I'm with you, Curtis. I thought Lacazette was class against Leicester. And I think he's the sort of player we'll need against Burnley uh, to kind of get physical and hold that ball up. I think Willian and Pepe will probably continue to play because of their performance the other day against Leicester. I think the number 10 position will probably be Martin Odegaard due to the fact that Smith Rowe had been crocked. Um, I've got a feeling we're going to see we're going to see Jack arrested because he's just played so many games, and I think we could use this as an opportunity to look at Sabayas and Party. But I just wonder if he's trying to protect Party a bit more going into these other games. We may see Elneny come back in that team. I think the back four will probably be similar to what we saw in the league, and I think he's using a Europa League and a. Um, Premier League back for uh, back two, sorry. Um, it looks like Pablo Marie. I mean, I'm a massive fan. I don't know about you guys, but I really like Pablo Marie. I think I've seen enough of him to think that he can defend, he can command. And David Luiz seems to play quite well next to him. Um, and I think, again, it's going to be the fullback situation, whether or not we see Cedric, whether or not we see Tierney. Uh, and if we see Hector Bellerino, who we spoke a lot about earlier, on the right-back position. Manny, let's come to you. Uh, team news. And then after your little monologue on our team news, a prediction. Prediction, please, sir. Um, what is the team news? I've, I actually haven't paid attention, to be honest with you. We haven't really got anybody injured apart from Smith Rowe, who looks like he may have a knock. It looks pretty positive, mate, to be honest. Um, I mean, they've had a week off. And it feels like this has been the longest time I haven't watched Arsenal quite some time. 
you know, the games have been coming <laughs> thick and the games will come in thick and fast. So really, if there's going to be rotation, you will see some players that go into start on Thursday, start tomorrow, just to get some minutes, just to shake the cobwebs off. You know, I mean, go there and get some match sharpness. You hope that nobody gets injured. You hope, but you know exactly what Burnley are going to do. You know that. I'm hoping for some rotation, but really three points and we move on to Olympiacos because that's the most important game. 100% Manny is the most important game by far. What prediction are you going with then, Manny? Uh, boring 1-0. Late goal. 1-0 to the Arsenal, yeah? <laughs> of um, course. Of course. Of course. Good stuff. Tom, let's come to you prediction-wise, bro. Uh, I'm going to go 2-0. Uh, I think it could be a very different game if we got an early goal because um, I think it'll open them up and we can get at them. But yeah, I'm going to go for a, a very safe, uh, we say safe, but I'm going to go safe 2-0. Man, it's never safe with Arsenal, but I love the optimism. Curtis, what about yourself, bro? I'm a bit torn. I mean, on one hand, I'm thinking, you know, they played midweek, we've had seven days off. If we start the game quick and score early, I think we could really give them a heavy defeat. But if we don't, um, because it's Arsenal, it's an early kickoff. It's Burnley. It's horrible. I'll go one nil Arsenal. One nil as well. Do you know what the craziest thing is tonight? We've had some rants, we've had some raves, we've had some debate, and I'm going to end up finishing the night agreeing with Tom Canton because I think we're going to win two nil as well, man. This has been a crazy, <laughs> crazy podcast. Oh, drink it in. I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. <laughs> <laughs> You know what it is? I think it will be 2-0. I don't think that, that I have seen 4 nils and 5 nils and 3 nils in the chat. I don't think it will be because I think Burnley know that they need to try and keep it solid against us. And they'll try and do exactly what they did against the Emirates, which was be tight and then try and nick a win. And that's what they did last time. So it cannot Pops happen again. No we need sense. to win this no, game. Go on, man. Go on. No sense, man. So you're saying us win 2-0 against Burnley, yet yeah, you thought we were gonna, it was going to be 0-0 against Leeds at the Emirates. Yeah, the way I the way I was the way I was seeing that was mm. I thought both teams were going to cancel each other out, and then we just yeah, see goals man. galore. But oh, look at you be trying to be a bit more positive, man. See, it feels good, doesn't it? Yeah, man. It I try. And, I do try and be positive, but also I've got to be realistic as well. So when I see four nil against Man City Arsenal, I'm like, I'm sorry, guys, but that just is not going to happen. So of course I predict <laughs> differently. But I think we'll win two nil, man. I think we'll win two nil tomorrow. I'm, I'm I'm quietly confident, but I'm looking more forward to the Olympiacos games, Tottenham game obviously is massive every single year um, but this Europa League I just think we have got to go for it before we wrap this up I'm going to get something from each of you uh, Tom let's start with you what's our realistic aim this season for Arteta to say he's had an okay season in your opinion Tom oh, God. <laughs> to quickly finish the show um, <laughs> oh, God. um to say it's been an okay season, I'm saying considering the start, um, as close to the, the European places, if not in them, I think, um, and as far as you can get in the Europa League, arguably winning it. I, I have a lot more belief we can win the Europa now based upon recent performances and the other competition that's in it and Milan getting United and, and other teams like Leicester getting and Napoli getting knocked out. So, yeah, quietly more growing in confidence, which I know you are too, Dan, based upon the fact we agree now on everything. <laughs> <laughs> it seems that way, man. Let's not go too far. Let's, let's, let's not go too far, man. Uh, Curtis, let's come to you, man. Because uh, I know what Manny thinks and I want to leave it till last. So, Curtis, let's come to you. I mean, look, for me, he's got to he's try and win that Europa League. Um, 
I would have expected us to at least challenge for the top four this year. When you look at the teams that are up there, when you see West Ham, Everton, Aston Villa, you know, there's no reason we shouldn't have been in touching distance of that top four, considering the players we've got. Um, I would say in the league, getting the top six. I mean, look, I think we've got to qualify for the Europa League if we don't qualify for the Champions League, because if we end up in this, why is it, the conference? Oh, don't. I mean, <laughs> if you win that... What is game, that? <laughs> you know, if we end up in the conference, it's like, yo, I don't know where we are as a club, but I think that I think that Europa League is winnable. I really do. I look at teams in there. I think Man United, Man United are favourites with the bookies. I mean, we took four points off them this year. Uh, I think Tottenham will be difficult because of Jose, and you know he's won that competition. And I don't think Arteta's beaten Mourinho yet. You've got the likes of Ajax and that. But I think we're we're one of the favourites to win that competition for me. Um, it's just we're so random. We can kind of lose to anyone and beat anyone. So look, I would say win the Europa League. If he doesn't do that, I would say top six would keep his head above water. Anything less than that for me is a is a terrible season. Man, I couldn't agree more. I think that's absolutely spot on. Manny, we're going to let you end this. Um, same question goes to you, bro. You already know my opinion, man. I, I said it last week, the last time I was on. Bring me the Europa League. That's it. Bring me the Europa League. I don't want to hear anything. Arteta's not doing this. He's not playing Mark Zellini. He's not doing that. He's not doing this. Bring me the Europa League. Then we can sit at the table and have a conversation. No Europa League? Get out. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. You know what I mean? Bring me that Europa League. We're at a point where we need Champions League football. Right? We're not getting the revenue that, we're getting, that we were getting when fans were in the stadium. But really and truly, if we're going to qualify for the Champions League, there is no such thing as a top four medal. Bring me that Europa League. It's just that simple. I don't want to hear anything else about Arteta. None of that. Bring me that Europa League, then we'll talk. <laughs> Love it. What a great way to end a very good podcast. My thanks tonight go, first of all, to Tom Canton. Thanks so much for coming on, man. You're welcome back anytime, bro. Absolute pleasure, mate. Genuinely. Really appreciate spending the time with you and the guys, 100%. Good man. How can people follow you, Tom? You've got a lot of content coming out at the moment. Yeah, uh, at the Goonsalk TV, daily content, uh, and you can find my daily writing work at 101 Great Goals. Great stuff, Tom. Thanks so much for coming on. Curtis, likewise, thank you, man. How can people follow you on social media, bro? Yeah, man, check out the channel, Curtis Shaw TV, daily content and watch-alongs as well. Host a weekly show on AFTV as well out every Wednesday, so check that out, but Appreciate you having me on the show, bro. Big up all you three as well, man. You've been quality guests, especially Manny, man. He's ran the show tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I've left him till last. Manny, it's always a pleasure. It's always good character and it's always good debate when you come on, man. It's always a pleasure. Um, thank you so much for coming on again, Manny. Oh, man, I wanted to rattle a few people, man. Just just, just for the fun of it, man. I'm in self-isolation until Wednesday, man. So listen, I'm not the happiest person at the moment. Yeah? I am miserable miserable so thank you for having me on man it's always a pleasure bro thank you so much for coming on again man you're my right hand man and i need you currently at the moment it's getting very very lonely in lockdown but hopefully the end is kind of half near i need to get back to a football game soon i'll tell you what boys it is a struggle at the moment um it really is thank you to everyone in the chat there was almost 300 of you watching live at one stage thank you all so much um we're going to be back on monday night to discuss hopefully 
three points to the Arsenal against Burnley. Until then, we'll see you next time. Up the Arsenal. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.